Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody. My name is Dan Buffett. I'm going to talk to you tonight about a, a random list of topics that kind of had me fuming a little bit. This is basically a, a dose of Buffett at 1130 at night to be posted on upallnightnews.com tomorrow. It's kind of me just kind of going off the hook. Uh, I'm in a quiet house. My son's asleep. My wife's asleep. This is where I kind of get to become like the true up-all-night animal that I am, a stay-at-home dad writer who only gets peaceful time at this time of night. So with that being said, let's just kind of rip into a bunch of topics here. Uh, There's no really format I'm looking at right here. It's kind of an uninformed non-professional kind of a podcast host tonight. I have about four or five hosting gigs under my belt. It's just basically going to be me talking to a, a phone or a computer screen and hopefully includes a few people. Maybe in the future I might get a couple of my buddies to come on here and ramble with me. But tonight it's just going to be me. I'm going to talk about a little boxing, about that little fight that happened on Saturday night, uh, maybe a little Avengers 2, Ovechkin, Blazing in the playoffs, uh, Tom Brady and Deflate Gate, and John Wick too, and a few more things. Uh, well, whatever comes to mind before my half an hour runs out. So let's just kind of rip right into it. If anybody, it'd be hard for you to not know about the Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao fight that took place on Saturday night in Las Vegas. That isn't a polarizing fight at all. It's pretty much a fight that's now hated. For a number of reasons. Number one, it was a kind of a snooze fest, which is happens every time when Floyd Miller steps into a ring. He uh, he's a defensive specialist and he kind of doesn't run around the ring, but he doesn't really engage a lot of fighters in blow for blow, you know, battles. He's kind of a tactician. He's an artist. He doesn't stand there and trade. Uh, so that's the second reason. The reason that I really didn't like to fight. I paid hundred dollars for it. I mean, it's going. Guilty as charged. I have uh, I put forth a hundred dollars because I have been waiting for this fight, like millions others, millions of other boxing fans have for these two to finally fight and happen. And I didn't want to miss it. I didn't think that Manny Pacquiao, my fighter, who I've who I like and I wanted to win, I didn't really think he pulled out, but I wanted to be there if he did, and I wanted to see at last, as it was hyped, I wanted to see these guys fight. I don't think. Before I get in, into what really happened and what we found out after the fight, I don't really think he, he ever have he would ever have a shot of beating Floyd. But just having that, that the chance to watch him do it was good good enough for me. The problem was that an hour after the fight, when the fighters were at their post fight press conference, that we found out that Manny Pacquiao didn't fight 100 percent capacity, and then this is okay if you're if you're a football player, if you're a baseball player, if you play a team sport. You know, you take the field with a bum shoulder or a messed up ankle. You know, you tape it up, you go on the field, you play. But if you're a boxer, you delay the fight. And we found that Manny Pacquiao had 
not just a little uh, a hangnail or a, a jammed finger, but he had a torn shoulder muscle. What will be later be revealed as a torn rotator cuff, and we all know that that's kind of an important muscle if you're a fighter. Uh, for example, Kelly Brook was about ready to fight Amir Khan. He got hurt twice, and they delayed the fight. It stinks for fight fans, but if you're not at 100% and it's a one-on-one sport where it's one guy against the other with no help except for a breather in between rounds, you can't let the fight go on, especially if that fight costs $100 million or $100 to watch, and it's being watched by millions of people, and it's been hyped to be the fight of the century. Even if it was probably going to be a snooze of a fight because of Mayweather's fighting style, it's not right because here is what we can't, I can't get past and no boxing person will let you get past is that Manny Pacquiao throws 800 punches of a fight. He never throws just over 400, which is what he threw Saturday night. When Floyd Mayweather Jr. out throws, not lands. We all know Floyd Mayweather landed 34% and Manny Pacquiao landed 19%. That's fine. That's just the tactician that Floyd is. But when Manny Pacquiao doesn't throw that many punches. Something's wrong. When this guy has been waiting to fight Floyd, waiting to shut him up for five years, and he doesn't do what he's supposed to do, and just throw, 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 and get knocked out trying, we I knew something was wrong. I thought he was maybe tentative because of what happened in 2013 when Juan Manuel Marquez knocked him out cold. But, I, you know, eventually when I looked at the stats, I was like, that can't be right. It's, that wouldn't have stopped Manny. He's fought two successful, three successful fights since then, that, that's not enough. That, that wasn't enough for me to go, okay. What The problem was that he was hurt, and he wasn't just a little hurt. He was very hurt. And according to the Nevada State Boxing Commission, uh, Freddie Roach and Bob Arum, Pat Manny's uh, trainer and promoter, didn't tell them about this injury until very late. And they wanted a shot of lidocaine and maybe a couple other you know, they're not illegal drugs, but you can't ask for the stuff three hours before the fight. And the commission denied them. And Manny went in there, probably threw a couple punches. It was his right shoulder, and he likes to lead with that right jab. And he probably threw a couple, and it hurt real bad. And then he was probably less than Manny Pacquiao the rest of the fight. You know, I mean, when you see a guy like Marcus Maidana push Floyd Mayweather Jr. to the brink for a few rounds, and you see Miguel Cotto make him bleed, and then you see Manny Pacquiao, who demolished Miguel Cotto and would destroy Marcus Maidana. When you see Manny not do that, that makes a boxing fan think, okay, something was wrong, and it was wrong. And what Bob Arum has done is he has broken the trust with a lot of boxing fans who put over their money and hoping for a good fight or at least a fair fight. And that fight wasn't fair. And, you know, Floyd knew he was hurt. Floyd started locking up Manny's shoulder. And, and and when they started to clinch, and Floyd knew. I mean, Floyd had to know he was hurt. He can say he didn't, but we I, I don't believe Floyd if he told me what the weather was like outside. Because he's kind of a, he's not a good guy. But, you know, he's a great boxer. But he knew he was hurt, and Manny was fighting it less than Manny. And, you know, I, I've watched the guy in all of his fights the last six years, and that was not Manny Pacquiao. And I will say, I'm not making excuses for the guy. I don't think even with three healthy shoulders he could beat Floyd if they do have a rematch next year. But he fought less than, than capacity. He fought, you don't fight the best in the world at less than 
when he filled out the form before the fight that every fighter has to, he didn't check a box that says, do you have an injury? And, you know, that's kind of wrong. And I don't think two fans who are trying to sue the fighters are going to win their case. A couple of people who did pay for the fight are trying to sue them. It's, it's going to get dismissed. But they have a legit gripe. I mean, in a one-on-one sport, once again, you cannot compare this to, like, Tom Brady missing it, playing the Super Bowl or Yadier Molina, you know, catching a game when he's 900%. Individual baseball and football games don't cost $100 to watch. They're not hyped, and they're not, like, built up to be this spectacle. Manny Pacquiao should have done. He shouldn't have delayed, postponed the fight. If Floyd has to fight somebody else on May 2nd, let it happen. You fight him in September. Make sure you walk into the ring and give fans, because that's all we heard. Let me just remind you guys. That's all I heard. Up in the fight. We want to give fans the fight. We want to give fans the fight they want to say. Blah, blah, blah. Each fighter said that. Manny, Manny said it for the last few years. They both said it in the promotional tours. Let's give the fans what they want to see. Well, you didn't. And whether Floyd knew about it or not doesn't make a difference. I think he did. Manny and Freddie and Bob Arum knew they, were, they weren't 100%. They shouldn't have postponed the fight. Do what's right. Honor the people that are holding your feeble sport up on its one leg before MMA throws it to the ground because this was the last big fight. And when that fight happens next September, whenever, whenever Manny's healthy, I'm not giving my 100 bucks. Um, I might go somewhere and watch it, but I'm not going to give Bob Arum and our boxing my, my money. It's not going to happen. Not when you have free boxing on NBC. And good fights. Not when you have, if you have HBO, you got Canelo Alvarez and James Kirkland fighting this Saturday. That's going to be a brawl. I'll watch that for free. I don't have to pay $100 to watch those fights. And this fight was a snooze and it was a fraud. And it was a fallacy. It was one fighter fighting at 100%. And Floyd can say he was hurt all he wants, but he wasn't hurt. He's just going to say that in his post-fight first conference because he has to. You know, he was fighting at 100% or else. He wouldn't have postponed the fight. I know Floyd wouldn't, wouldn't fight anybody. Floyd wouldn't fight his girlfriend or his wife, who he routinely beats anyway. He wouldn't fight those women at less than 100%. He wouldn't fight Manny Pacquiao either. And uh, so I don't know. I think boxing took a big hit. But let's move on. I don't think it deserves any more than 10 minutes of ranting. I have written about it for KSDK. I wrote two articles. I wrote kind of one kind of a fight recap, and then a day or two later, I really unloaded. Because, you know, when you kind of, sometimes things got to kind of sit in you. When you're a writer, sometimes ideas got to, like, they got to build up, and they got to, like, sit in a pile of water and boil for a few days before you really unleash it. And uh, I wrote two articles there. They're on the sports page, and everything's there, including Bob Arum's ridiculously stupid quote. And everybody plays hurt. Yeah, Bob, fighters shouldn't fight hurt because it's a one-man sport. It's not. It's like golf. If Tiger Woods can't swing a golf club right, he's going to pull himself out of the tournament. And, you know, I mean, it isn't like Tom Brady who depends on a whole team to win a game or your Molina or our Pujols. It's a one-man sport. You're in the ring. It's you against the other guy. If you can't throw a punch without hurting, without wincing. If you if you and your trainer are just working your left hand up until the fight, hoping that a shoulder muscle magically repairs itself, unless Manny Pacquiao is an Avenger 
he isn't going to be ready when you injure your 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 shoulder on April fourth. It was it was stupid. It was ill-advised, and boxing may not recover. And really, which it doesn't really matter because that was the last fight worth watching anyway. So, but I will advise you, having said that, if you have HBO on Saturday night, tune in to Canelo Alvarez and James Kirkland because that's going to be a brawl. Those two guys don't run. They stay in the middle of the ring and they fight. They don't train for three months to dance around for jabs. Canelo likes to throw bombs. Canelo lost to Floyd Mayweather because Mayweather played with them and pot shot at them and just kept them at a distance. So that was Styles opposing styles making that fight. And these this fight, Kirkland and Canelo dislike to punch. And it's gonna be a brawl and it could end in a knockout. My money's on Canelo, but that fight's got my attention at least. So let's move on. Uh kind of a small independent movie came out in uh on Friday in theaters. It's called Avengers, The Age of Ultron. It's a sequel to the first Avengers and it's the latest in the Marvel uh, cinematic universe movie set that's taken over the the summer movies as we know it for the last four years. Was it as good as the original? That's the biggest question coming out of it. No, it wasn't as good as the original. Josh Whedon throws these guys into a a movie and two hours or two hours and 15 minutes later, he creates a spectacle. And once again, he does that here. He creates a, a very engaging, entertaining you know, if you love superheroes and comic books and these kind of movies, it's right up your, your alley. It's not as fresh as the original. It's got some holes in it. I didn't really buy Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch the way they're rendered on screen. It throws everything and the kitchen sink at a viewer. It's got tons of action. It's got a good buildup of the characters. You see a little bit of, of a romance between Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow and Mark Ruffalo's Hulk. Bruce Banner. You get to know a little more about Jeremy Renner's Hawkeye, Clint Barton. You get to see a little betrayal, a little backstabbing. Uh, a couple of villains turn the group on themselves. You see Thor go up against Iron Man. You see the Hulk and Iron Man bash. And of course, if you're not a, a comic book fan, this is just boring you out. This is where you kind of play mute the podcast. But, you know, if you're like me, you know, you get a kick out of this stuff. We don't get Marvel films every month. We get them once or twice a year, and, you know, the last few have been very, very good. I was a big fan of Iron Man 3. I'm not a comic book guy anymore, so I didn't mind the twist or turn the Mandarin from a comic book stern evil villain into a bumbling actor playing a terrorist on camera. I thought it was a very funny move, and it fit right into the Iron Man universe. I loved Captain America Winter Soldier. It gets better every time I watch it. I think it's one of the most complete Marvel films because it really sets up the next movies. Uh, the next film after this Age of Ultron is going to be Captain America. The third film is called Civil Wars. It's going to pit Captain America against Iron Man, Tony Stark. Tony Stark is going to side with the government in thinking that Superheroes need to be regulated, especially with you know a couple alien attacks in the last two Avengers films. Kind of a kind of a red alert for uh, the government, and Captain America's going to go against that. So they're going to tumble, they're going to tussle a little bit, and that's going to be fun to watch. And Frank Grillo's Brock Rumlow Crossbones going to get in there and mix it up. If you're not, if you don't know who Frank Grillo is, you need to know who Frank Grillo is. You need to rethink your whole 
movie universe. He had a small role in Captain America Winter Soldier. He was great in films like The Warrior, Disconnect. He led Purge Anarchy in what I will call the unofficial Frank Castle tale. He's one of those supporting actors who's kind of starting to get his own front gigs. He's got a show on DirecTV called Kingdom. If you have DirecTV, unlike myself, you should be watching it. Uh, season one is finished. Season two is coming up. But, dude, circle back to the Avengers Age of Ultron. It is worth your money. If you love Avengers and you love these movies, it's 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 right up your alley. It's not doesn't really mind if it's not as sharp as Avengers. The second round is never going to be as fresh as the first. I mean, Hangover 2 was, wasn't going to be as good as The Hangover. Terminator 2 is still the only sequel, fake sequel, that was better than the first round. Maybe Dark Knight was, uh, you know, as we all know it, reshaped comic book movies as we know it. But Avengers Age of Ultron is a good flick. It's entertaining. It's got it's it's more of a build-up. I think the reason it's not as great is because this is a build-up for future films. For Civil War, it's a it's a build-up for the next Avengers film, Infinity Wars, where everything just starts to get way out of hand and bad guys are coming in and Avengers are coming and going and Spider-Man's going to be introduced for the third time. Hopefully the third time's a charm. Um, it's one of those things where people go into Avengers with monstrous expectations. I mean, this film was, was promoted as the movie event of the century. And, of course, there's always a couple, two or three of those per year, but, you know, it's it's going to go up against mostly its own expectations. It's a movie that's going to just going to be bigger and everything, so people are going to judge it. They're going to come out going, that was fantastic, but it wasn't as good as the first one. And when I left, I will admit I had a headache. I felt like I had taken a few hits from Thor's hammer because it does just overwhelm you. And I watched it late at night because I had to get a review in for KSDK. My full review is at KSDK.com. But I will admit that it does knock you over the head. If you're just a, a person who doesn't know anything about the movies, you can still go in and enjoy it, but it's going to overwhelm you. It's going to take it out of you. You're going to need like a few few days off in the movies after watching the Avengers Age of Ultron. But there are a lot of delights in it. James Spader's voice work of Ultron, the big bad guy, is very good. He also, the film, his performance, like the film itself, doesn't forget about well-timed humor. There's a running bit on the, the heroes trying to pick up Thor's hammer, which is just, oh, it's not overplayed. It actually just gets better and better. There's the introduction of a, a hero I will not name, but you, let's just see you've heard his voice in previous Marvel films. There's a there's a lot of fighting. There's a lot of blowing stuff blowing up. Mark Ruffalo, again, is my favorite Avenger. He just, what he's done with the Hulk really just makes you forget completely about what Eric Bana and Edward Norton couldn't do with Bruce Banner's Hulk. They just couldn't get to the heart and soul of what this guy is all about. A guy who is a normal, feeble scientist, doctor, who has a madman raging inside him. Every time you get mad, Imagine if you were just sitting in traffic and you got really, really mad, you would bust out of your car as the Hulk and destroy a bunch of things and, you know, wreak havoc on half the street. That's kind of what Bruce Banner lives with his whole life. He has the ability through that gamma radiation, that that incident, that he can turn into a monstrous maniac. If you do that right, if you get the right guy to channel it in Mark Ruffalo, 
magic can happen. And there's a good little subplot with him and Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow, who we also get to know. We also kind of get to know her past and what she's been through and how she kind of had a Jason Bourne-like upbringing as a killer in Russia. And they have a little romantic subplot that we know can end well. And Jeremy Renner's Hawkeye gets a great little backstory. We find out he's not just a loner. And I think Renner gets some of the best lines in the movie where he's talking to a fellow Avenger. And he's like, look, you know, right now we're on a floating piece of earth. And I have a bow and arrow. And it's just, those are the kind of dialogue bits that make you love this movie because they never take it too seriously. When things get heavy, a funny line is dropped and everything, a little levity is brought to the situation. So I really appreciate them doing it. I appreciate Joss Whedon, the maestro behind the madness who writes and directs these Avengers movies and who will hand over the reins to the Winter Soldier directors the Russo brothers, I like the way he injects humor into something that's very just monstrous and vast and epic. He doesn't let these guys think, doesn't let these ladies and gents get too heavy. Um, It's Nick Fury, Samuel L. Jackson just kind of dropping a little witty little one-liner like only Samuel L. Jackson can if it's Chris Hemsworth's Thor, who I've, I've always thought works a lot better in the Avengers films than he does on his individual Thor adventures. He he gets some great lines in. It's just it's fun to watch these these people work together. It's something you know it's not going to happen too many times. Going in the future, they're all getting a little older, and you know stories are going to be advancing. And Marvel doesn't wait for anybody. And, you know it's it's gets good to watch. So for me, I found it to be a kick. It's a kick in the head when you leave the theater, but it's a kick. Well, let's move on. You know if you're like me. And your your St. Louis Blues depart the playoffs. You kind of you need one player that you you watch. Like when the Rams don't make the playoffs, like they haven't for the last ten years. I watch Peyton Manning for as long as he goes in the, in the deep into the playoffs in the NFL. Well, in hockey, it's Alexander Ovechkin. And if you don't know that name, you just need to type in you know type into the Googles, type into the YouTubes, and just watch him be devil. Make defensemen look like pedestrian people on the street. They, he makes great goaltenders shrink and net action hero star on the ice. I wrote about this for upallnightnews.com. That he is, he's kind of like a cheeseburger, a milkshake, a French fry, and an Arnold Schwarzenegger action flick thrown into one. He takes the puck, he laces up the ice like a cheetah. He goes past two or three defensemen. He flicks a puck from his knees past Henrik Lundqvist, one of the best goaltenders in the league. He does unbelievable things on the ice, and I think he's a guy that non-hockey fans can go, oh, man, that's kind of fun to watch. That's just what Ovechkin does, and right now his Washington Capitals are leading the New York Rangers, I I think, three games to one in their playoffs. And if you're not doing anything Friday night, tune in to NBC Sports and watch Alexander Ovechkin make a lot of New York Rangers players who are very good. The Rangers are the best team points-wise in the NHL. Just watch what he does with the puck. He is a, He's not a, a premium cherry picker. He doesn't just kind of float around the ice. He can at times, but he likes to play defense. He can get on there. He can get his nose dirty. He's not a great defensive player. But just watch if he does happen to be floating across the ice at like two miles an hour. Watch when he gets the puck. And just watch how his body boots up like a computer 
does when you shake the mouse around and the screen comes on. That's selection. He gets the puck, he races up the ice, and he just shoots. He likes to shoot. This guy shot almost 400 times this last season. When I scream at my St. Louis Blues to shoot the puck when they're trying to be fancy and you know do six or seven moves instead of just flicking the puck at the net, shooting it, slapping it, wrist shot, slap shot, whatever. Just keep putting shots on net, and eventually the goaltender is going to wilt and give in and give up a lot of goals. That's what Ovechkin does. He shoots, he shoots, he shoots. He doesn't, he doesn't, you know, he's got great teammates, but even they know nobody shoots a puck better than Alexander Ovechkin in the NHL. You can try to tell me no, but the guy's won four scoring titles. He's won the MVP three times. He has won the Offensive Player of the Year three times. He is going to score 500 goals really soon, probably halfway through next year. He, if he keeps going on, he's still a young guy. He can play for years because, you know, goal scorers like him don't take a beating on their body. They don't slam into the boards too often. They don't get into a lot of fights. They don't take a lot of abuse. So this guy can easily break the goal scoring record. He can have the most goals of all time. If he was, as my good friend Derek Winters would say, if he was on the Blues, we would love him like Brett Hall because he, just, he is what we have. He is one of the last 50-goal goal scorers that will do that just about every year. He scores 25 power play goals a year. He shoots the puck on that 400 times almost. He is an action star. Watch him on Friday night. As we got four minutes and 30 seconds left, what else can we talk about? Real quickly, I'm not going to waste a lot of time. Tom Brady and the Patriots are in trouble again. They'll be in trouble as long as they play football because I compare Tom Brady and Belichick and the Patriots to like Frank Sinatra and the mob. You know that they do some, that they did some stuff wrong. You know they know stuff. They know we, we know that they're kind of bad, but because they're so successful, and the NFL knows that they're never going to really ruin them. They're going to make them surrender draft picks. They're going to make them cough up some fines, but they're never going to slap these guys hard. Tom Brady isn't going to get suspended for any games. If he is, it's going to be a one or two. It's Let me tell you, they can steal play calls like they did in Spygate, which they admitted to. They can deflate footballs, which I don't, still have, don't understand how that really helps their chances. I guess something to do with, I don't, I'm not going to have, like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a ball inflation, a football inflation specialist, because I have no idea what, how that helped them for that one game. Their supporters are going to say they didn't do it in the Super Bowl and they won that, even though we all know the Seahawks should have won the Super Bowl. If they weren't stupid, or Pete Carroll wasn't stupid. But the Patriots are going to cheat, and the NFL is going to act like they're mad at them, but they're never going to get mad at them. They're not going to be the teacher that hits the, the class, the, the bad, the wrongdoer in the class with a ruler on his hand or send him to the office. They're just going to write a note and go, shame on you. This is like the second or third time. But because you're very popular and you win a lot of games and you do really good things for a sport, we're just going to let you keep on cheating. That's basically what Tom Brady and Deflategate amounts to. It's just going to be a little slap on the wrist and go back to work. Because football makes the most money of any sport in the land, and it depends on guys like Brady. So when you want to talk how good he is and how great he is, just remember, remember that his team cheats. I don't care how much they cheat. I don't care what it meant, they cheat. And while they should be punished for it, they won't. 
Moving on, two minutes left here on a dose of buffer. Late night, we're hitting midnight in three minutes. Um, good movie news. If you didn't watch John Wick, Tober, watch Keanu Reeves' latest action flick. If you don't like Keanu Reeves, I don't really care. Watch it. It's a hundred and it's 114 minutes of greatness. It is the best action film I've seen because it doesn't take itself so seriously. And the stunts are amazing because the film was directed by Keanu Reeves' stunt double from The Matrix, Derek Stahelski. The movie is John Wick, and a sequel was announced yesterday, John Wick 2. The first film only cost about... 18, 20 million to make, and it made like 45, 50 million. It's become a cult hit on DVD. It is a movie that it's got all the cool extra stuff that you like in action films. It's got a hitman hotel. It's got a cleaning service, so a, a bunch of guys that pick up dead bodies from our hitman. The movie has all these quirks and twists. It's about a hitman. It's pretty simple. I can explain it to you in 10 seconds. It's about a hitman who quit the business and gets pulled back in when some bad guys take something from him that can't be replaced. And that's Keanu Reeves. He is, as one guy says, he is not the boogeyman. He is the man you send to kill the boogeyman. John Wick is a, is a great film. It snuck up on critics last October, blew him away. John Wick 2 is coming. I suggest you donate an hour and 40 minutes of your time to it. You won't be disappointed. It doesn't matter if you're a fan of Keanu or action our fast cars, our bullets. It's an entertaining and even funny movie. Well, that's it. 20 seconds left. I can go on for another 30 minutes, but on Blog Talk Radio, when you're doing this just for the heck of it, and you're doing it for free, you only get a half an hour, 10 p.m. or later at night. Thank you for listening. I'm going to try to make this a weekly thing. I'm going to try to put it on a place where you can read it, listen to it, love it. Thanks for listening, and good night. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.